couldn't be more appropriate with uh, being fresh back from Tennessee for a intro song. Kind of gives us that feel, that whole vibe. We are sitting around the old oak table down here in the Taylor Park, Oak Hill, Florida, for those of you that uh, are new, geologically challenged, challenged. Not geologically, <laughs> geographically. I was like, mm, there's a lot of rocks, rocks here in Oak Hill. But, you know, you might not know much about story. rocks either. Uh, so we're looking at episode 82. And, of course, we have Ben here What's from up? Melbourne. We've got Jameson howdy, howdy. from over in Dirty D- Land. Dirty old D-Land. Myself here at the north end of the table. And you're going to hear a new voice. <gasps> There's a new voice that you're going to ladies and gentlemen potentially come to love. There's uh we've got second person coming up from the uh we're we're minor leagues. we're we're working on uh somebody being able to uh come in and pinch hit when necessary and he's got a great bunt. This this guy uh we've we've noticed over the course of the last couple of months at the boat ramp specifically, we oh, like yeah. the cut of his jib. He fishes. Will Davis, welcome. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. You know, you are dealing with a podcasting professional when they're invited as a guest and they show up with their very own show notes. That's right. Tell you what. Talk about prepared. He didn't. He didn't like have this weeks in advance. I messaged him what three days ago. Yeah, and asked him. So he did all this in. Two days, three days. Yeah. He came prepared. He was excited. You also told me the wrong location at first. I did not tell you the wrong location. I agreed. <laughs> you can, yeah, I agreed to the wrong, location. the wrong location. That's what happens, folks, when you don't quite read every word in the message. Ooh. So But it worked out. Here a little little dust up here. We'll we'll move we'll move forward. Yeah. So uh let's start out with uh the obvious. Ben and I took a little trip uh, up to Tennessee, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have Andrew come and meet us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, of course, we had to get there first. So we broke the trip up into segments. Segments. Legs. If I was going to say a couple of legs, um, but two segments. And our first stop was Charleston. So we departed. Uh, At different times, Ben was taking my truck and towing a trailer with uh, some recreational assets uh, to to get them up to the old farm, and we figured that we would roll into town at about the same time, so Ben actually kind of turned into, uh, you know, the lead car like you would have had in Smoking the Bandit, Mm -hmm, uh, giving giving little road reports and, you know, what's going on, and... uh, 
Ben, you saw a couple of whalers that were mating on I-95. Did you not? Mating and waiting. Mating um, and waiting. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Southbound on... Southbound whalers, huh? Yeah, I was northbound trucking, southbound floating. I don't remember if we were in Georgia or if we were in South Carolina. I believe you would have probably been in Carolina. Okay. Um, all you of know sudden, that, that two-lane each side hell? Ooh. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, trucking north, it's like, I don't need the GPS to get to Charleston. I know how to get there. And all of a sudden, it starts seeing red lights, slow the truck down. I'm pretty wide berth anyways because I'm towing stuff. And I'm like, we got to pass a wreck soon. We're creeping real slow. And on the left side, someone in a, or the southbound side, someone in like a 26-foot U-Haul rear-ended a flatbed with the two whalers stacked on it. Oh, yeah. And completely knocked, like, this one knocked the engine off. It was laying in the right-hand lane. Nice. Be more specific than this one. We're looking at you. The, the Theater rear, of the mind. You've got to describe it. The it was rear. The, it was the boat, the furthest to the rear of the trailer. Correct. Okay. Knocked off the Yamaha 300 off the back. Ooh, 300. Into the. That hurt. Slow lane. Okay. Knocked. The boat off the trailer into the ditch. Ooh. Broke the T-top off of it, and it was on its side, not even, like, listing. It was completely knocked over. The front boat was completely pushed up forward on the trailer, and you, I couldn't see the, the extent of it. No, barely, though. And I couldn't see the extent of the damage because you could tell it rode up on the other engine. But it was still attached. But the other one was, like, bloody guts. In the middle of 95, slowed down. My whole side of traffic was just stopped because of the rubberneckers. And then I could see the guy in the U-Haul on the side of the road with his like hands buried in his head. I don't think he was hurt. I he think didn't. it was the, oh, shit, this one's going to be expensive. I did not. He didn't pay for the full-on I, I insurance. I didn't take right. the extra insurance. Exactly. I didn't take the extra insurance. What the fuck was I thinking? And then immediately behind him was another flatbed with two more whalers pulled over, not hit, but you could see like the original <laughs> arrangement of how those boats were supposed to be. And I did notice that that one still had plastic covers on it, while these two boats, the plastic had been like completely blown off on the ones that got hit. Wow. So, so did you do the right thing and pull over and you know ask if you could salvage that motor lane? No, in the I was going the wrong way. South I was or? going northbound, not stopping. Well, <laughs> it was nice to get the warning yeah. that you know, hey, this is where I am, um, and I, I calculated it and I was like, okay, you're about forty five minutes ahead of us. Um, by the time we get there, it should be all cleared up, so we're probably good to go. Um, in fact, when we got there, there was still minor backups. Um, really? Yeah. Like he sat for what? 10 minutes. 15. Okay. I thought you were in it longer than that. That that was about what we did. So, but it was still enough going on on the other side. Like I didn't see the boats or anything, but just traffic was still, you know, snarled up there. So... You know, we always run ways while we're doing a trip like that just because, you know, it's like the early warning radar. You know, it's going to tell you to get the fuck off before anybody else realizes it's time to get off. They're sitting there like a joker. You're fucking cruising. Yeah. What I was disappointed in, and this is the first time I've brought this to Ben's attention, 
is uh, his lack of forethought in not pulling over and doing a <laughs> Skiff News <laughs> Network report. <laughs> we have Whalers Down, breaking news Ladies live from the shitty roads of South Carolina. But, you know, there, I'm sure there will be opportunities in the future. Probably. I mean, the Skiff News Network is, is going to become a thing. You just need to keep the, driving 95. You'll find them. Well, here's the flip side. While I was stopped for 15 or 20 minutes or 10 or whatever, it wasn't in one place. It kept, like, creeping. And so, like, I never stopped in front of the boats. I, we were before it, and then we, like, slowly... A moved. dedicated journalist would have stopped completely, put on the four-way flashers, Correct. walked over... On the wrong side of the road, and, and, and in the wrong side. when law line. enforcement said, what the fuck are you doing, be like, step back, I'm media. with the Skiff News Network, media, you actually stay there, I'm going to need a statement from you in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've, let, I've let the team down. So you uh, you have a pretty good memory and in, in information gathering skills. If you never actually stopped by it, the wreck to be it able was, to depict it, in we such were a cruising like that way. fast, and I was you know so what's that like third of a mile an hour or a mile or two an hour maybe yeah, yeah. calibrated like calibrated <laughs> calibrated talking foot on the brake pedal my, or my hand foot is on not the brake okay. but like. You, you come off of it, but you're ready to go back on it. You're okay. not comfortable enough to hit the gas or even just idle. But just kind of ease well, her you, off. Let's, let's, let's understand what you were riding in here, right? You were in you know decently sized vehicle, towing something as well. So mm-hmm. mm. These are all factors. You probably had to hit the gas a bit. No. no. Well, it's no, a diesel, it, it so it'll be accelerated. It, it mm. idles and pulls well, I, up. I know it idles. Well... It goes fast enough at idle at that cruising speed okay. that you could stay with the flow of traffic without having to hit the gas. It, okay. Got it. That's making sense. Okay. So. Sorry. It's okay. So, Did you get I, I just, past the wreck? Yeah. Yeah. We, we got past it. We roll into um, Charleston. And um, I reached out to Pip the Flip. Good old Pippers. And uh, we actually went out to dinner with Pip, which was pretty cool. Um, catching up with him. A little disappointed in Pip as well. Um, he he uh, spent a little bit of time talking to us about his trip to Miami. And uh, he went out with a couple of different guides and uh, actually used bait. Pip threw mm. bait. Yeah. And we threw hate. Shame. 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 And he said, uh, the funniest thing was, him saying, no, you guys don't understand. It's these, it's these. Oh, no, we understand. I know. He's like, and you're doing it at night, and it's, it's yep. like a once a, in a lifetime thing. You can't wear it. You can't use a fly rod at night. Well, I mean, you know, it, it is beneficial to do it at night. Maybe then your buddies won't see uh, exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But no, we, Pip, we love you. We're just giving you a hard time. Um, So, anyway, the next day we uh, make the rest of the trip, roll into Tennessee, and uh, we had a few good, few good days um, just, you know, hanging out, um, going by the fly box. Um, 
we had talked to the folks at the Flybox about when we came up doing a Taylor Park Casting Championships stop there at the Flybox. And, uh, you know, we had said earlier this summer that we were going to do another one here at Marine Discovery Center. And it's just been one thing after another that's kind of interrupted our, you know, being able to pull that off. So we actually did pull it off up there and we rolled out a new format Mm -hmm. and uh it was a lot of fun i'm i'm really glad that we did it up there because uh having done it i feel like when we do it down here knowing everybody that's done the ones in the past i think it's going to be very very popular yeah um so the uh idea behind it is basically you're playing a game of horse but you're spelling fish right and and by doing it in that manner it allows everybody to kind of stay together so there's a great heckling factor you know and a lot more camaraderie than the original way we did it where it's like two by two everybody's working their way through the course which we can still do that one but uh Playing the new one was a lot of fun. It was awesome. That's well, cool. let's, let's get some insight from a former TPCC tournament player. The, fa- the, face of, the, the face of the TPCC, yes. really. Yeah, I like that idea. On the mic. I have a question for you, though. Okay. Were they at will to choose the style in which they cast? Because I imagine up in Tennessee there wasn't a whole lot of double hauling and you know are they making long casts or is it like they're fishing in rivers well so funny you should funny you should ask so um we set up the casting course with five target areas and we delineated the five different target areas using the same wooden silhouette fish that you're familiar with with the same circular rope targets that you're familiar with of different sizes and i paste it off just like i do here so it's not like you know a, a tape measure exact mm-hmm. but the first target was at about 30 between 35 and 40 feet and then it ran out to maybe 55 feet mm-hmm. so i think the 55 foot one was pretty much straight down the line down yeah. the course and then all the other ones intermediate to that down to the closest one were like kind of a little bit off center, you know, but and not a ton, not a ton. So, and then we, we had a line, a starting line of flamingos that you had to remain behind, but you were allowed to move laterally if you needed to or wanted to. So maybe you didn't have to make like a shot to one o'clock you could slide over and now you're making you know a straight line shot so they had a little bit of latitude but the the key to it was whoever had control would say this is my target they'd make their shot and if they made it then the second person would have to obviously make it or they'd get a letter right well we got there got things set up Almost immediately, one of the first people that signed up uh, was an older gentleman, Gary. And uh, he was ready. I mean, he was like, when does this start? You know, he was like ready to go. And uh, we were like, you know, just give us a little bit. We're going to try to get 
16 people because we built a bracket like uh, Sweet 16 Mm -hmm. down to Elite 8, Final 4, and then the championship. So ultimately, I think we got, what, 14 total? Yeah. Yeah, we were too shy of the 16, getting a full field. But nonetheless, we got it started. Well, the first two people in the in the 14 bracket um, were up there for quite some time. I'd step back inside the fly shop, and at some point, Ben came in. I believe it was you that came in. It might have been Jonathan, but we, like... No, it wasn't Jonathan. Some anyway, somebody came in and said we're going to need to do something. There, uh, nobody's making shots, and so I went to Jonathan and said because they had done some casting um, clinics or or something there at the shop before, and that he had told me in the past that they had hula hoops that they had used for that. And I was like, Jonathan, you still have the hula hoops? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're in storage up, you know, up in the storage area." And I was like, "Please get them down. We're going to need them." So we had to go and switch out all of our modest size targets for hula hoops. So of course, when we did it, we have, we had fun, you know, reminding them all, "Well, you've proven that you're trout guys, uh, so we're going to make some really big targets for you." Um, and once we did that, it really did start to pick up pick up the mm-hmm. pace. But to your point, Will, 90% of those guys went to the closest target and never tried anything deep. Mm. Um, occasionally, we would have some really good head-to-heads, especially as, it, as the field whittled down, where... If somebody was like really like, you know, nailing that first target, it would be like they'd make it, the other guy would make it, they'd make it, the other guy would make it, and then somebody would miss and it would switch. Mm-hmm. And then somebody would take a shot at a longer target. But if they missed, that next guy would go right back to the to the close one. And there was still a lot of missing going on at the close one. And the other component that we figured out that we had to add and especially became important because there was a thunderstorm moving in and we thought we were going to get, you know, lightninged or rained out. We actually put each heat heat um, on a timer. Mm-hmm. Like it was seven minutes, I think, yep. for the for the you know, the largest groupings. And then when it went to eight, we cut it down to like five minutes. Yep. And then it went down to like four minutes. But then when it got to the championship, we bumped it back up so that they had plenty of time to duel it out. And, you know, in those circumstances, it became maybe somebody, nobody f- spelled the full word, but it would be like they'd be tied at F-I-S, mm-hmm. you know, or F-I. And it's like, okay, whoever gets the next letter, you're out, you know. And, and it was like, f- it became frenetic. Everybody was like, it was like real fast-paced yeah. casting. And it was cool. And like... Everybody was fucking, you know, hooting and hollering and having a good time. And, you know, it was like, oh, that was close. Oh, nope, out, out to the right. Well, it puts that pressure on, too. You know, if you can see a fish coming out of bank, you don't have all day. Yeah, exactly. You got that window. So that's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, so it worked worked out pretty good. So I know you put out the thing about bringing seven and eight weights. Did you have mostly seven and eights, or did people still bring them? There's a couple fives. 
just thinking about Yeah, as far as I know, I mean, Ben can speak more to it because he was out there closer to the action than I was for more time. Right. Um, we encouraged everybody to use uh, 7 and 8. Yeah. Because we, we use the same flies that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, if there was a guy throwing a five weight with, with those big bugs, you know, uh, I didn't see the wheelbarrow with the balls, but, you know, uh, he did it. So um, there was there was a few people that I know stepped up there with a five weight. And once, like Jonathan, that owned the shop, realized he was casting with a five weight, he was like, dude, I've got a seven weight or an eight weight from the shop that you can use. And they're like, oh, shit, yes, please. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was the intent was to give him enough rod, you know, to be able to maneuver that kind of yeah to make that that bigger fly work better for them when it came to you know consistently making the target but uh you know that's my take on it ben what what did you think of the event i I thought it was awesome the the whole community like i think showed up and showed out they were pretty good demographic people came from gatlinburg we had we had a girl who signed up and did it um, toe-to-toe with the boys. Caston had a great time. Uh, a lot of the local guides and outfitters showed up, which was pretty cool. Um, and everyone was laughing, drinking, having a good time. Um, a couple of the guides that were keeping it neck and neck the whole time, like the heckling between them started, it turned into, hey, man, I don't cast, I row. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see them all having a good time. Yeah, there's there's that one guy awesome. Shane. Yeah, that uh, when I first got there, big old boy, big old you know East Tennessee fella, and uh, he was like, "How does this work?" And I was explaining it to him. I said, "You ready to sign up? It's only twenty bucks, man. Come on, you've wasted more money than that, you know." And he's like, "Man, I'm a guide. I row. I don't cast." <laughs> and I just laughed and said, "Well, at least you're you know willing to keep it, cl- you know." Fucking accurate, but uh, he he ended up entering, and he he advanced pretty pretty far down the line. Yeah. Um, One of the funniest things is John, who won the whole thing. We were I I was standing out there at least for one uh, time that it happened. Somebody, whether they were another angler or just somebody like a neighbor, I don't know. I don't know who they were. John was casting versus whomever else he was, you know, bracketed against. And as he's like getting ready to cast, a pickup truck drives by and kind of <laughs> rolls slow past the fly shop and yells out the window, John, you suck. <laughs> and so, of course, everybody's laughing at John for that. And I, I piped up and I said, dude, every, you know, hey, at least you have a fan club, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, ultimately, he won. He won the whole fucking John shoot in fact match. Did not mm-hmm. suck. John did not, in fact, suck. He uh, walked home with, I think it was like 120 bucks, 160 bucks, something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. A little bit of motivation really helped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but everybody had a good time. There was no one like this sucked. Like everyone was like, "Dude, we got to do this again." It, you know, it was. Uh, you know, definitely, you could tell. When we first got there and people were showing up, you know, everybody who was familiar with each other, you know, it's a little clickish, you know, a little standoffish, but it was standoffish. 
because they didn't understand really what was going on. So as we explained it to different groups, you know, it'd be like, I'll do it if you'll do it, you know, and, you know, fuck you, I'm paying for you. You're definitely doing it. You right. know? And so everybody started signing up. And then they say, you know, these guys are all having a good time. And, uh, you know, that was really the goal of it. Like we've said, you know, forever on the podcast, it's all about having a good time. Yeah. And if you can't have a good time, you're in the wrong sport. Mm-hmm. So, right. But, uh, just had a little bit of that pre event jitters. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think we got a little bit out of order cause I've been alternating taking these glasses on and <laughs> off. Um, we actually had the opportunity to be some of the first human beings to welcome the uh, Drake family back uh, to the east side of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I got to see the Drake mobile. The machine. The machine. Holy Moses. Yeah. What a freaking just Sweet. work of art. Um, Sick piece of kit. Yeah. Um, What do you think that thing weighs? I, I wouldn't even become, begin to... I, it's got to be like around 10. Yeah. So it's it's an F550 chassis. Right. And then... Carbon fiber. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the weight of the... The shell is probably... He didn't make it shells. as a carbon fiber, though. Oh, he no? didn't? I thought he, he told, did. I'm pretty sure he told me he was doing it out of regular resin, like mm-hmm. vinyl ester. Well, that's yeah, the you resin. Can use that yeah, with you can carbon. use yeah, but the you know the carbon fiber is the fiber with within the resin. Yeah, but instead think, of glass, I think I could be wrong. I thought it was glass, um, because I think when I saw it in March, the inside didn't look carbon. But I could be making it up. Yeah, so I don't know. the Earth Roamer F five fifty has a gross vehicle weight rating of nineteen thousand five hundred pounds. Okay, so, so that's maybe. with you know payload, but right, but right. that's not no, so I'm, that could be way off. Probably not all. It's not like this is missing like the features of that. No, right. It's well, and well, that, that's the Earth Roamer one specifically that has that yeah. GBWR. Well, uh, you know, I I hope certainly that we're good enough friends that. Um, I'm not calling Wilds out, you know, at his expense. Uh, I am going to tell a little story that I thought is pretty funny, and I think he gets a chuckle out of it, too. Um, You know, he gets really focused. He's designed this thing. He's built the molds that he's going to, you know, create this shell out of, whether, you know, it was with glass and resin or carbon fiber and resin he's got it going and he's putting it together and he's fabricating and he's putting, you know, solar on the roof. He's putting, you know, air conditioning all, you know, it's, it's coming together. And what are the size tires? They're like, they're 44 inch. Yeah. 44s. And they're like multi, like the, the rims. M81s. Are, oh, uh, so it's like, uh, dual bead lock, it, yes. triple bead lock. Yep. Right, yeah. yeah. So this thing is like impenetrable. Just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they realize the roll-up door is about two feet shorter than what they've built. <laughs> 
So <laughs> when the day came to roll her out, part of that day was sawzalling, cutting the door open, the door open, <laughs> the build, well, the, taking the door down and cu- cutting the building open, which, uh, you know, if you think about it is like, you know, almost like metaphorical, you know, the birth of this mm-hmm. yeah. fucking beast. <laughs> well, yeah, a says, C-section. I mean, I wanted a bigger door there anyways. <laughs> a C-section. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, wow. I think they did what twenty-one days out west. Yeah, in yeah. that thing, That's cool. And uh, picked up their drift boat and yeah, yep. And up until they got to the old homestead in East Tennessee, they didn't have to hook it up to power or anything. It ran off solar the whole time because they had enough sun. Wow. And it was until that last day driving back, he was like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, it was really overcast and kind of icky." That's a super long boondock by yeah any standard. any standard. I mean, that's as Hot water shower, um, nice little kitchenette in it. Talk about self-sufficiency there. You know who needs one of those? Mark, for his next Boogaloo adventure. Yeah. Bugging out. That's self-sufficiency. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you can carry 19,000 pounds of... Ordnance. Yeah, ordnance. The storage on it's amazing. The fit, and, we'll call it the fit and finish because the boat guys like. The okay, rides. so so the there's storage on there where he keeps fly rods, nine foot fly rods, full length, full length, in a closet. Upright. Yeah, upright. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> you open the door and it's like, do, 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 do. oh, I'll take this one or no, I'll use this. It's like. And he said, you know, he designed it so that he would be able to take fly rods or surfboards wherever he was headed. So he made a, a on-road version of a Drake boat. Yeah. 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 I expect nothing less. I mean, no, that's, it's, it's yeah. stunning. Anybody that's seen one of his boat creations up close can kind of have an idea as to the fit and finish of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when they rolled into town... Um, they met us for dinner, and uh, we we were going to dinner at a local barbecue place that is Benjamin's favorite. It's, it's damn good. And, you know, we were like, hey, you know, Ben took time out of his busy schedule to uh, come up and help us move stuff up. And we said, where do you want to make sure that we eat while we're on this trip? And that was the place. And so because we had... My wife, my son, Ben, myself, and the Drakes, we went with the butcher's block, which at Southern Craft, when you order the butcher's block, it's any and all barbecue that you could possibly order comes out on a freaking butcher's block, served family style. Oh, yeah. And then you get, um, like, four sides with it, family style. Almost dimensionally the size of this leaf. A little bit smaller. Yeah, maybe a little bit narrower. narrower. Yeah. Jeez. For we, those that can't see, that's about three feet by one and a half feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty epic. So it fed all of us that night, and then we took home leftovers that we ate on at least two more different times nice. before we killed it. And I think we even tossed some at the end of the trip. See, now that's... So, if you ever find yourself in East Tennessee, 
there's a Bristol location and a Johnson City location. And I've, I've actually had a couple of DMs over the past year or two because we've talked about this place before. Mm-hmm. Put it on your list. If you ever go up to yeah. fish the South Holston and the Watauga, you have to go to Southern Craft. And you can get, they mount a two-meat sampler. They've got a three-meat sampler. If you're by yourself, don't go get in this butcher block. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need at least four you guys. You need at least four guys to do it. But uh, it's amazing. So good. So when you described it, it reminded me of, uh, like, if you ever go to a sushi place with a bunch of people. Uh, and you get that giant that boat. giant boat. Yeah. If you order enough rolls, it reminded me of that, but better because you can actually take it home. Yeah. That's awesome. Very similar. I love food that comes out on just big. Dude, it's so good. Big family-style portions. And, and the, honestly, their wings are so damn good. They're unbelievable. Yeah. Their briskets. What are we missing on on our trip, Ben? You know, everything runs together for Um, me. So you casted, you saw the Drakes, you ate. Wyatt and I got did a little bit of racing. A little racing. Um, We had the four wheeler and we set up a little course and started time trialing it. And both of us being a little bit nervous. Andrew was part of this as well. Oh, not initially. Okay. We started before he got there and got to the first lap was 50 seconds around the back of the house, out past the hangar, down the airstrip, landed. Um, and we're, I said it, why well, I wanted me to go first. He matched it instantly. So then we started like knocking off five seconds, 10 seconds, got down to, I think, 35 seconds. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves laughing cut up having a good time and then Andrew rolls up he hops on the thing and he's like well what's the time like 35 seconds now the first turn is at a downward slope around some dead tree stumps and then it gets rocky and then you whip around going up the back of the house so uphill. that's uphill and we started we always took that reasonably slow like that was for sure our slow point Andrew hops on the thing thumbs the throttle and just whips around it and Wyatt goes, oh man, he's shitting it and getting it. He's going to beat us hard. And sure enough, Andrew came in about three seconds faster than us and it just started progressing from there with half second increments to ultimately Wyatt has the fastest time. Wow. But we had a blast. I I, I still can't decide which of the three of their asses need beat for how scattered the gravel is on the driveway. I tried really hard to make sure no one braked on the gravel. Yeah. Good news is one of them you'll get in trouble for. Right. Although, well, after you guys left, um, the last night that we were there, Wyatt um, decided he was going to go out and run the four-wheeler a little bit and probably doing the Actually, he wasn't doing laps around the perimeter of the property. He was going all the way out to the east end of the runway and turning around and coming back westbound. And he had set up his phone so that, you know, it would get like the video of him coming straight at it. Like, you know, as he says, shitting and getting it. And he was focused on trying to make sure that he was close enough to the bumper of the truck that it was sitting on. Uh 
so that it would be a good video, you know, got a cinematography counts that he did not realize that he had offset to the left the front yard from our front steps coming off the front porch is a nice gentle slope down to the runway that's more flat and then it crowns and goes off to the other side like down to the um where the garage is so it's almost like like a little swale that comes out well he was had been used to transitioning across the parking area driveway you know on the same level plane but because he was cheating over to the left as he went west to get that great shot he didn't realize that he was going to go across that elevated point (laughs) (laughs) and he came inside and it was like i was like i could tell something was i was like everything okay he was like yeah he was i just I just scared myself. I was like, what happened? <laughs> he, he, he proceeds to tell me you know, that he was set up the shot or whatever. He said, when I went across, I got so much air. Like I was in the air above. He's like, the only thing touching the four-wheeler were my hands that were oh on there. God. Because I have no idea how far off the ground the four-wheeler was. <laughs> and I looked and you could see like where it had kind of like bottomed out as it, you know, transitioned. And uh so a few minutes later he leaves and goes back outside and I hear him, you know, shoom, shoom, going by the front front of the house and I looked and I could see that he was trying to recreate it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wanted the aerial. Flash. Yeah. And uh I asked him I said, "Well, how did it go?" He's like I never could. He goes, I, I just, I couldn't fucking keep it hammered and hit it at full throttle again. He goes, it was just me not knowing I, I, I hit it at full throttle. He goes, but knowing what it did, he was like, I just would always let off a little bit. And I just never got it in the air the same way. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's a good thing. None of you guys came home from my second trip in a cast. Yeah. That's we, right. That was the goal. We did have a discussion about that, that like, I was, I'll be honest, I was inside and I was like terrified at that, at that very fact. I was like, cause I think I even uploaded some, uh, stories, uh, mm-hmm. of them going ripping down the fence line behind the house. And I was like, oh, just please nobody like fucking run into a fence. Nobody fucking hit the corner of a fucking hangar. Just, you know, please have fun, but let's, you know, in moderation. And, and they did. They kept it. We even modified the course because at one point we wanted it to, like, have a little bit more, like, slower swoops in it. But, like, one of the swoops was on, like, a downhill turn coming and you turn and immediately come back up. I'm like, we're just asking for a rollover. Like, right. The second, like, the first couple runs will be, like, slow and nervous. Once we get some confidence, we're going to fuck this up. So we, like, just 86 it all together and made it a straight way. It was about this time last year, I think it's last year, that I broke my wrist on my mini bike uh-huh. that I had built with a Predator 212. You know, nice. it's a, this tiny little thing that would go close to 50 miles an hour. And and uh, there was a nice rainstorm. And in my backyard, there's uh, a lake and there's a little wooden footbridge that goes over it. And as one does with a 50 mile an hour mini bike, they do burnouts on this wet wood uh-huh. wearing flip flops and, <laughs> and whatnot. And uh, 
I let her get away from me. You know, all six and a half horses, uh, it's too much to handle for L- me. Little, and, uh, little whisk- whiskey throttle. Whiskey throttle. Yeah, so, you know, I'm doing the burnout on the on the wood, and it's slick, and I think I kind of catch grip, so I lay into it, and then I get under the concrete. Oh, and it's instant still, grip I, and it, Yeah, well, it's still spinning, unbeknownst to me, and I just stayed in it, and it, uh, well, you know, flipped out on me. Whiskey, yeah, broke my wrist. Oh, wow. The feet were okay. I mean, you know, a little road rash on the top of the feet because I was wearing uh proper riding gear all the guys and uh dale yeah. yeah i dig it yeah it Learn, learned that lesson yeah. well uh shannon and i took the uh quad and ran over to my neighbor howard and uh his wife and sat down and talked to them for a little bit and it was right at sunset and i th- I, I think uh you can see a little bit of the footage of our ride back home um, we cut through um, one of the cornfields and then kind of came back down onto a, a little road to get back home. And just as we were cutting to the to the road, there's a fence that's maybe about four feet above the road level, and there was a pasture there with cattle in it. And she she yelled cowabunga at the cattle <laughs> and literally started a stampede. You can nice. see them in that video. They are like shitting I it. I saw the rut. Yeah, they're shitting it and getting it. Um, but yeah, we, we had a good time, man. And, uh, you know, the irony in how much of a good time we had on this little 350 is I've had it since Wyatt was a baby. I had bought it brand new um back when i was on a hunting lease and hunted quite a bit and you know even even when you go to hunt camp you know you run it to the blind and back you know the, th- the thing might have had 20 hours on it hmm. and then it parked for 10 years so i kept procrastinating thinking it was going to be like this horrible fucking pain in the ass to get it running again because i knew that you know the carb was going to have to be cleaned and the gas tank was going to have to be flushed or whatever ben and i ended up doing that like what two days before we left yeah and it probably would have been that horrid pain in the ass that i was worried about 10 years ago when i really needed you know when i really first knew that i was going to have to put some time into getting it running again but Shannon was very insistent. Hey, we're going up this time. Take the four wheeler. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I said something, you know, about well, when we get up there, we'll get it running. She was like, no, it's going to be running before it leaves the state of Florida. And I was like, uh, you know, thinking, God dang. And I tried to be like, well, you know, it, mm-hmm. the law was laid down. So I go on Amazon and I search for carb kit for that year that model Mm -hmm. carb kits came up but what came up that was even better was you could just buy a new carb Mm -hmm. ready to roll for 34 bucks and i was like what have i been waiting on i'm an idiot and it took us not long at all i would say two hours two hours and that includes two golf trips club trips to the store to go get a battery yeah it was the wrong sided he meant to say golf cart golf cart over to the park store to get a battery they gave us the wrong polarity we had to go exchange it so that the leads would line up yeah um the fairing when we put it back on has big like 
heads on with uh, Alan Key. Yep. You know, when we made it to Tennessee, one of them was gone. Mm. So it may not have got torqued down. It like rattled itself out. We scoured that freaking U-Haul. U-Haul, and apparently it bounced out. So it's missing. You know, one of those. When I was putting it away in the garage the last day after uh, it was being used, that bolt was actually on the footboard on, on, <laughs> on the driver's side. Like <laughs> it was just big enough so it wouldn't pass through there. And that's where, so we so, still have it. And it yeah. The, the crazy whole thing is, the whole time with it all the shit. everything. Yeah. Yep. So, Every and time. you know what's funny? I never looked on the footboard. Mm-hmm. I checked the trailer, the ground. Yep, same here. I just the, happened. Um, I was like, it was shiny in it against the black, and I was like, what I, is, I know what that is. Just remember being very proud of you for ordering an entire carburetor. Yeah, because I was like, when Shannon texted me, like I think she texted me like Sunday, maybe. I was like, hey, Monday we're gonna get this thing running. And I was like, I and it when you guys moved from Casper, moved to a storage unit. So I'm like, oh my God, we're going to take a carburetor apart, clean it, and jet blast thing in a 98-degree storage unit. I was like, I could have swore when Larry and I talked about this. We were doing this in Tennessee, and it wasn't going to be this hot. Like, we had a plan. I'm like, what happened to the plan? <laughs> Shannon's like, this isn't a Larry thing. This is a Shannon thing. Like, we're getting this done. And I'm like, okay. And then she says... Larry ordered an entire carburetor, and I was like, "Yes, yep." It's honestly the way to go, hundred percent. At that, I cheap, mean, I don't even think you can buy a bucket of like the carb cleaning solution for that. Right, you'll have to buy a new one, you know, every couple of years. But that's the thing; it's, it's like it, they're they're cheaper for some of them. I know, yeah. It's like they have those for outboards too. Mm-hmm. Fine by me. Yeah. Right. You know, it's easier to just replace the whole thing. Right. Bolt it and tune it. And I mean, uh, yeah. The, and I think I made a quarter or half a turn adjustment on idle, and that's that's the only adjustment it took. Yeah. yeah. So, um, definitely worth worth doing that way. Um, the remainder of the Tennessee trip, um, just trying to see if uh, there's anything else. Oh, I know what it was. Um, we all went in, uh, before Andrew had to go back home to Nashville and Ben was going to fly out, uh, and come back to Florida. We went down and Andrew had never seen, uh, the South Holston river, um, nor the, the dam where the tailwater comes out. So we, we just kind of did like a little day trip. We started in bluff city, followed the river all the way up to the to the weir and the dam and everything. And, uh, afterwards we all went out for lunch and we were going to go to another barbecue place. But, uh, as it happens when you live within the belt buckle of the Bible belt, a lot of times things are closed on Sundays. So we ultimately ended up at a Mexican restaurant and, I will tell you, if you are up there visiting again, this is a place that you want to go, and it's Taco Oriendo. It's actually on the Virginia side of Bristol, and it is fantastic. Super good. But while we were there, um, the weirdest conversations 
that we had, one of the weirdest conversations we had was uh, Andrew and Wyatt been to an extent trying to let us uh, educate me on like some of the some of the more contemporary slang and what it means <laughs> I <laughs> and me being a Gen Xer you know I was just like you know they're like well what, what about this word what does it mean I'm like fuck all if I know you know but uh, one of the funniest was uh, yeet <laughs> and and Andrew explained yeet to me he was like did you ever see the guy where the bobcat attacked the guy's wife and he like picked it up and threw it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, he yeeted it. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so they had a lot of fun with an old Gen Xer trying to, you know, use words in context over, over lunch. But uh, then lo and behold, today on Instagram, I saw a lot of people posting about that little cheap uh, heat cannon. The heat yeah. cannon. It's yes, <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god! Yeah, what well, high the, point heat cannon? Yeah, high point heat cannon. So uh, two hundred twenty they dollars. Had, they're trying to educate me. They um, had a contest to name that gun, and that's how it got named. Is that what it was? That's yeah. what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeet's the only word I remember from my um, contemporary slang l- lesson so. afternoon. I know there are a few more that you guys tried to share with me, but... We'll do a PSA for some of you older listeners out mm-hmm. there yeah. one of these days. Looking at you, Georgia Drifter. <laughs> so, um, that's, uh, I think, Tennessee in a nutshell. I think so. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, let's take... Oh, one last thing. No, you can leave it. We'll, we'll play out through. Um, our friend Kyle was uh, <laughs> around and showed up at, at the fly shop during the casting championships. But the one thing that really made me proud was Kyle can lay claim to being the first person that actually made it a point to go by my house and at the end of my driveway... I have a sign that is covered in fly fishing stickers, and he slapped one of his Kyle stickers on there. So if you're a new listener in East Tennessee, find that sign, and when I come back, I hope to see more stickers on it. Be more like Kyle. Go slap some fucking stickers. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll be back from break here in a minute, and keep her rolling. back and uh everybody's moving just a touch bit slower courtesy of the lovely 
Miss Dakota that sent uh, homemade homemade oatmeal cream pies, and uh, that's on the heels of uh, a rather delicious yet heavy dinner of uh, venison backstrap, field peas and snaps, mashed potatoes and gravy. Very old school Southern meal here. Yeah, we're we're kicking it pretty and, old school for sure. Bed, bedtime's coming soon. Yeah, I might fall asleep before we're done. <laughs> Welcome to my side of the table. <laughs> All right, There's well, a uh, maker. you know, in, in deference to uh, Will holding it down and uh, showing up prepared, why don't you dig into those show notes and tell us what we're going to talk about? All right, well, uh, yeah, I had a little bit of, tri- of a trip on my own. Um, my girlfriend just finished up a summer internship with General Motors, so I, I flew up there to help her drive home. Where is that now? Detroit, Michigan. They're still in Detroit. Did they you see well, Eminem while you were there? Uh, uh, no, I, I looked all <laughs> up and down Eight Mile, and uh, you mean you didn't? Fly I only got shot time? at four or five times. But uh, I just said, you know, I just started rapping Eminem. They, I, they, I think I gained their respect. Did you drop yeah. a twenty and buy a house? <laughs> um but yeah so we 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 drove back in one day it was 18 hours in a honda civic that was Oof. uh you know i was happy to be back um but there were there were a couple interesting things along the way um for instance the heartfelt moment i shared with a west virginian in a wendy's bathroom oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, it was actually, you know, I came out, it was a positive experience. Um, you know, this is a, we're in, we're in West Virginia, so we've been on the road for quite a while so, so far. And, uh, no one wants to be the guy that rips ass in a Honda Civic on a road trip. So I've been holding it for a while and I go into this bathroom, go to the urinal and I, and I see that there's someone in the stall, but I'm not a shameful man. And I let one fly while I'm, you know, at the urinal and yeah. it makes me chuckle. And then it makes him chuckle. <laughs> and then it made me laugh, you know, full on, and, and him too. Like, we were both trying so hard to, to not laugh. But but you both knew what was going on. We both on. knew, you know. He knew instantly yep. that you were riding with the girlfriend. Exactly, you know. And uh, so I, I, of course, finish first, and I, I go and I wait in line in the Wendy's because I'm going to order some food. And the dude comes out, and either he recognized my shoes or he just said, <laughs> he just thought to himself, that's got to be the guy. And we just shared one of those eye contact and just little little head nod moments. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that was the highlight of the trip. The uh, the rest of it was pretty much uh, rain from Ohio to the Florida border. Or Florida Damn. border. Yeah. So that sucked. I did the first leg of the mountains um, in torrential downpour, and then uh, you know for everyone that doesn't know, my my girlfriend is from Cuba. And uh, her dad flew up as well to uh, to help drive, and um, they're Hispanic. Apparently, I was going too slow driving in the mountains, so uh, we switched off. Her dad started driving, and uh, I've never gone so fast in the rain down a mountain in a Honda Civic. <laughs> I uh, hit the imaginary brakes a few times, but we got here safe. You know, it makes sense. Uh, it's very mountainous in Cuba, and uh, the roads there are essentially trails. So this right. is this is nothing for him. Yeah, he's but like... But white boy me, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but uh, so it was a good time. And uh, 
I think uh, for those of you like Jameson that have me on Snapchat, they uh, I posted a slanderous meme of every state that I drove through. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, I thought you were just hating on random states. Yeah, it was every. It was <laughs> you know, it was prefaced by a screenshot or a, or a, either a snap of the welcome to insert state or just if I missed it, you know, just a the, the geotag location and then I'd. I'd make the memes. A couple so. of those were pretty good. Yeah, I, I had a fun time with that. Good. It was all started because of my hatred for Ohio. Wow. And then I said, you know, it'd be funny if I did this for every state. So, so. do 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 share. What what, did, what was uh, Tennessee's meme? Didn't go through Tennessee. We took 77. So, oh, you're you're in, yeah, Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia. North South Carolina. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, because of the floods and you guys were like merging Tennessee. You were trying to okay stay away avoid. From yeah. I got you. So, yeah. So, for people that don't know you, will maybe it'd be good to give a little bit of your bio and background and who you are and. Um, okay. What, um, what you're into. <laughs> Oh, is this the Alcoholics Anonymous portion yeah. of the show? Uh, I'm Hi, I'm Will. Will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm an Will. alcoholic. I'm fishing in patrol. Yeah. That's right. I don't like getting up early. Um, no, I'm uh, so I'm from the the Oak Chill area, a little north. I'm in Port Orange. Um, but, uh, fished the lagoon for a while. It's kind of how I've uh, met these fine gentlemen here. I've been a listener of the podcast uh, since the fly fishing after dark days. Ooh. So for a long time. OG. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend would be quick to point out that I wasn't born here and that I was born in, in New York. But uh, that's one of the things I like to. You're a damn Yankee. I, I lived there for seven weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll give you a yeah, pass. My parents are born and raised eight, here. Eight weeks, it starts getting a little that's right, that's right. That's right. That's local. But, uh, two months. Yeah, it's, is, the one, it's the one thing I'll never forgive them for was for having me in New York. I'm just kidding. Not really. But, so yeah. The, so okay. how, how do people um, recognize you on the local waters out here so that, you know, they're able to go oh, hey, buzz uh, you when you're on I, a flat? So I will either be... I'm, I'm commonly seen in a blue Mitzi or at the New Smyrna boat ramp <laughs> watching, <laughs> watching everybody screw yeah. up. So yeah, I've got a little, little blue Mitzi. It's been uh, all over the Eastern seaboard. And it's been fished hard. Yeah. The yeah. last, what, couple months, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, uh, recently it's been used for bioluminescence tours. Mm-hmm. So the last, the last week, uh, out of seven days, it was on the water, six of them. Taking nice. people out, and is that happening over on the river more than the lagoon, or is it happening uh, here? No, I, so I, where I've been going is mostly Edgewater. Okay, uh, but really, wow. so that's really yeah. So sh- through Shipyard uh, Creek or Canal or whatever, okay, all the way to JBs and stuff. Holy uh, shit. It's been really bright. Okay, um, you want to try to find darker areas. So Boston Whaler, a giant plant, kind of yeah. ruins that if you, uh-huh. unless you're on a lee side of an island or something. But uh, so yeah, choose a day where the sun or moon. Um, has already set or is obscured by clouds. Yeah. yeah, or just new moon or whatever. Because right. if the the moon's too bright and too high, it, you can't see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this happens all the way down to South Lagoon. Like the it happens down by me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, so last don't leave Ben out. Last year. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, form. You can have South the blue, the sparkly really blue good. lights too. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I've but, done. A, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So like usually I, I would go down to South Lagoon because there's no light down there right um but you know it's an extra drive so 
I'll have to tattle on myself a bit here. Okay. I've done a plastic hatch. Tour. Bioluminescence tour. Tour. Mm. Recently? Tupperware Navy. A year, a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I heard that <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Fucking Tupperware Navy. God damn it. Glad you like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we we paddled our Tupperware craft uh, through uh, Hallover. Okay. Yeah. Around this time, two years ago. Nice. No no fly rod, no especially no bait on board. That's good. Yeah, just just a nice leisurely paddle to take it in. Saw the mullet. Saw the blue lights. Yeah. You ever see a manatee in the bioluminescence? Yeah, speed bump. Yeah. I saw a couple dolphins. They're easier to see. They are. They are. The me and a buddy were fishing dock lights down my way one night and about one thirty in the morning we're ripping back up to go run on the dock and that blue boulder Mm. like surfaced thirty feet in front of the Skiff, we were actually able to shoot around it because mm-hmm. we could see it. One of the first times I was down there in the lagoon, you're showing people the, the luminescence and stuff. One of those came up, and we were on a flat too. We were pretty shallow, and uh, freaked me out. Mm-hmm. I was, what am I looking at? It's, it, I couldn't tell if the boat was moving or if something was coming to us. I was like, is there a big rock in the middle of the flat in the lagoon? And then it, I realized what it was. But yeah, the blow sharks look really cool in the lights too. I'll come up and do their thing. There's been a lot of them I've noticed over the last month or two. The dolphins? Like, yeah, just yeah. an inordinate number of them. Just, yeah. at, you know, especially like if I go to dinner at, at, you know, somewhere on the waterfront in downtown New Smyrna, mm-hmm. it's just like everywhere you look, there's dolphins. Yeah. So, um, anything else on your show notes that, yeah, it's pretty, uh, uh, so actually, I wanted to ask you um, how it was fishing with Captain Owen Armstrong, um, shallow water angling. Yeah, I had a good time. I, yeah. I, I, you know, would hate to do this to you on your first time here at the Old Oak Table, but uh, have you not listened to previous episodes where I actually detailed how our trip went? Oh no, I did, and I talked. You know, you talked about uh, multiple people being on the boat, and I caught some nice red fish yeah and yeah, yeah owen's a good yeah owen's good dude yeah. uh, i'd fish with him again just been waiting on the invite um Ooh. but uh you know hadn't happened so maybe he's not saying the same about having me on the bow i don't know no no he uh, he told me he had a good time um it's always funny fishing with owen he's a character yeah he, he's he a makes good it dude. a good time whether you catch fish or not more often you do and i, th- I but, think uh, that um you know i even part of my commentary about fishing with him was you know his uh he's laid back um when he's calling out fish mm-hmm. but like he also is really good about sharing the excitement and like you know, when Mike made that one cast and that fish took off, he was like, "Let's fucking go!" <laughs> yeah. You know, like he gets all excited, which you gotta love. Yeah. So um, I'm going to use your question about him as a segue, and it's a question for everybody at the table. So, have you ever thought? And if you haven't, you're going to give it a little thought. 
when in baseball you leave the batter's spot or the you know on deck circle and you stroll up to take a cut at that first fastball you have a walkout talking about mm-hmm. a walkout song yeah what is your walkout song to getting on the fucking front of the skiff I've never thought about it. Well, there you go. We're, we're gonna we're gonna go around the table and mm-hmm. what would be your walkout song if on a skiff we played walkout songs when it's like, all right, Ben, it's your time. You're up. Okay. First gut reaction, not because I'm cocky, but because I know my head game can stop me, and if I make a couple bad casts. If I don't shake it off and get past it, I'll just I'll keep fucking up progressively. So probably like all I do is win or something of that nature to get me to just. I will sit on the front of the boat. I'm not familiar with the song. It, you want me to play an excerpt of it for you? Well, sure. We have the ability to do that. I can do that. Um, yeah, I, I need to hear this because. You know, not my normal genre of music. Not that he's cocky. Yeah. Got money on my mind. I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they say yeah. I would say right. it's that because, like, when I step on. Especially if it's been a while, when uh-huh. I step onto the dance floor, I'll be like, "You're the fucking best caster in the history of the damn world," and I will hype myself up in my head so much, even if I know I'm a little rustier than I should be. Okay, okay, I so like that's, it. That's mine. So Will's been feverishly working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Fergalicious. Fergalicious. So our, our sound man's gonna have to. Um, cannot. All right. Here, song. Here's what we're gonna do. We're going to play a little bit of Fergalicious, and as it fades out, I want you to give everybody, so you're going to verbalize into the mic what you're telling yourself as you're up there, all right? So <laughs> This is once it fades out? Yeah, as it you know, fades out. This is, this, is, this is you, like, getting in the zone, and you're fucking, you're, you're mat-talking yourself. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. The beat that I'm banging is delicious. Fergalicious definition, make them boys go loco. They want my treasures, so they get their pleasures from my boat. So you can see me, you can't squeeze me. I ain't easy, I ain't sleazy. I got reasons why I tease them. Boys just come First, I'm probably thinking about how all the, uh, the fish have just swam away. Because um, Fergalicious was just blasting. However, of the redfish that might be fans of Fergie, we're just, I'm, I'm just trying to connect with that fish. And then I probably step on the fly line. <laughs> <laughs> Get pissed at that. And then watch that fish swim away as well. That's usually what would happen. All right. If, if I'm on the bow. All right. Like you said, how you, uh, this gentleman up in Tennessee would say, yeah, I'm the guide. 
I pull. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And and not a guide. That's the downfall of being the guy with the boat. Mm. Yes. Right. Hey man, when are we going to go fishing? No, what you mean to say is when am I going to go pull you around the mm-hmm. lagoon? Probably twelfth, twelfth of never, because mm-hmm. I don't know you well enough. February thirty first. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jameson, do you have? Uh, I do have one. something locked in on what you think uh, would be the appropriate walk up. So I was stuck between two, and there was one that I was going to use as my walk up song for baseball. And it was called Beer Can by Luke Combs. Okay. Uh, but for fishing, I'm going to go old school. And I'm going to go with a little Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, let's hit it. So you've been back on the back of the boat, or you've been riding third bitch, yeah, and you're back in the saddle again, right? The eyes start, you know, patrolling shorelines and looking for for fishy looking things instead of oh bird and oh look at that cloud and right. whatever whatever else may distract me. That was a mullet. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, what about you? Um, I immediately because um, this was. My wife actually asked me, you know, to ask everybody, like, what, what would be your walk-up song? And she was like, what's yours? And I said, mm, probably It Ain't Easy Being Me, Chris mm. Knight. And she was like, oh, play it. And I played it, and she was like, no, that's not a walk-up song. She's like, it's got to be something with a little bit more, you know, like, upbeat tempo to it. And I said, no, 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 wait. You asked me what my walk-up song would be, and to me, that would be it. She said, well, alternatively, she said, I would have guessed yours would have been R.E.M. Superman. So I'm kind of like... I get her vibe, and like you, definitely when when it comes to style of song that she's kind of looking for. Yeah, Will's solidly in that genre. So I would have to say, based on a little nurturing and <clears throat> correcting from her, it would probably have to go from "It Ain't Easy Being Me," which is just my. I'm going to say that's not my walk-up song. That's just my fucking anthem. Um, but my walk up, I, I would I would probably defer to uh, REM Superman. So it ain't easy being me is what you're listening to on the way. That's right. You know, just That's right. On the when you're cruising when you're cruising to the flat. Yeah. So.
yeah, so I can see myself stepping up there after a morning pulling, you know, with the sun at my back and no wind at all. And just as that sea breeze is starting, it's time to switch out with whoever has been on the bow and, you know, just going to fucking try to hype myself up, man. I'm Superman. I, it, it's, it's time to go. Yeah. But, uh, it was an interesting concept that she, she asked about that, you know, and just be curious how many other guys like, you know, how important is music to the individuals? Cause I mean, a lot of us, you know, are constantly, you're wearing Zach Bryan. Yep. I mean, you, you just went to a show. Yep. Uh, Wilds and Bree went to, um, um Oh gosh, Ryan, Ryan Bingham. Bingham. Ryan Bingham. Yep. Uh, the flood relief uh, show out there. Like you know, music's very intertwined with fly fishing, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you know, like I can't imagine like on the river, you know, in a drift boat. There's no such thing as like the walk up. You know, you're you're just either in the front of the boat yeah. or the back of the boat, and you know, in in flats fishing, we have that opportunity where it's like. There's a there's a okay. Change. Let's yeah. let's change things up. Mm-hmm. Let's change things up. You're gonna take the you know. Let's switch it up. You grab the pole. I'm coming up. You know, because I mean, there is something to be said about mindset when we're out fishing. You know, um, my good friend Ian Slater. Um, he and I have been fishing down in you know Key West. And just grinding. I mean, just fucking grinding. And this would be like August a few years ago. And shit just was not happening. The water was hot. It was fucking Africa hot, you know, in the air. And he says, we're putting them on the clock. This flat has five fucking minutes to show us a fish or we're leaving. Boom. Three minutes later, fucking tail pops up. You know, it's like almost like a, you know, you can will it to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just as much as doing something like that, just saying, hey, let's switch it up. Let's, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all would agree the gentlemanly way to fish a skiff with two guys is, you know, whoever gets the bow gets the bow until they catch a fish. Right. And then mm-hmm. then you switch out and, you know that guy's up there until he catches a fish and then you switch out. But there are some days where whoever takes the bow first, you're like, fuck, how many miles do I have to pull before this fucking dude catches a fish? Yeah. So you've got to have that mechanism where you can switch it up. Definitely. You know, without riling feathers or, you know, making somebody feel like shit, you know? So it's like, okay, let's put the fish on the clock or, Hey, let's just go ahead and switch it up. You know, you, you you know, or if somebody gets up and bangs one immediately, I'm always willing to be like, nah, man, stay Stay, up there. Fuck you were up there five minutes. You know, it's, it's obviously going to be fucking lit today and they'll catch another one. And then you get up there and you fucking get skunked the rest of the day. And you're like, son of a bitch, I should have fucking taken my (laughs) fucking opportunity. Well, that's where that, um, that good skiff chemistry comes in. You know, Absolutely. Like, when, like I said, you see me out there on a blue mitzi all the time. Ninety well, percent of the time, you'll see Mister Tyler Pendell yeah. on that, and and either he's pushing it or, or fishing the front. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, after 
say I'm the guy on the front on the dance floor, if I miss two or three fish and he's been pulling for a while, you you take a shot at it, T. Yeah. You know, get out there and see. You know, and he does the same thing. So but it's we've been doing it together so many times that even even if we don't switch off. The, Nobody the other cares. one doesn't really care. Right, because it's so. going to balance out mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of listeners and people that are from outside of the saltier areas don't understand mm-hmm. when they are, like, sliding into your DMs and are like, hey, I'm going to be in New Smyrna Beach next week. Uh, really love to go fishing with you. And you're like... Yeah, but I don't fucking know you. Mm-hmm. I don't know your skill set. Right. I don't know how you're going to act on a skiff. I just, you know. Uh, and here's the thing, too, right? You can hire a guide. They like to do that kind mm-hmm. of thing, but I don't like to take strangers. Right. And and if they're coming down from a you know less salt-driven area or this is their first time flats fishing or the first time in the area, Right, they're expecting, you know. Hopefully, they're not, but most of the time, they're thinking that they're going to be on the bow quite a bit. Right, right. And it, as you said, pay the money for a guide. Yeah, that's their job is to put you on fish. Right. right? We're not guides. We're if we go out fishing with somebody, there's a mutual acceptance that you know, hey, I'm going to pull some, you're going to pull some. We're going to go fishing collectively together. Well, I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, hey, bro, I've I've never pulled a boat, but I'd be more than happy to pull you mm-hmm. around. Yeah. They don't understand what that <laughs> well, means. Yeah. Round, round, get around in I circles. Around. I yeah. mean, that's what's going to happen. And there's yeah. that, that weird line because I, I really do love sharing this with new people and, and letting new people experience this, but I'll invite you. Yeah, bingo you know, and it's if, probably after i've had a beer with you somewhere yeah. and i've kind of done that initial assessment of yep. could i vibe with this guy on the boat yep. or right. you know was the conversation over warm beer and cold food at jb's mm-hmm. labored and you know just didn't click right probably not going to hear the invite but you know and that's the you know you get back to that age-old discussion of, you know, people ask, well, you know, how do I get better? Or how do I, you know, get to where I can go out with people? Well, you've got to spend a little time paying your dues. And sometimes your dues is mm-hmm. just being happy with going and meeting somebody yeah. for lunch or for right. a beer and yeah. let it develop, you know. A, a new buddy of mine, well, he's not really a new buddy anymore, but... Um, he's from Texas. He's actually he's the funniest dude you'll ever meet. So he's born and raised in, in India. So he looks Indian. His parents are Indian. But he spent most of his... In English, he has a Texas accent. That's awesome. It's, it's the most confusing thing ever. <laughs> he's awesome. Um, but he's interested in fishing and stuff. And, and uh, I, I, he got that invite. And uh, it was a cool thing. First time out, he sight fished a red you know, on the front of the boat. But the whole time, he's asking how he can help me. Ask it, you know, offers to clean the boat afterwards, paying for gas, just doing all the right things. And, right. And since then, he's gotten a lot of invites back. Sure. And he will. Of but co- it's that he's got that connection. He knows. Right. A little bit of self awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Not the, hey, man, I'm in town. Can you take me out? Right. And those can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Especially like you, you've DM'd me a couple or texted me a couple times. Like, hey, so and so's in town. I'm actually busy this weekend. Do you mind? T-? And I'll instantly, we'll yeah. go do it. If Larry's giving them the green light, we're good. Hmm. I've got local brewery in town. I usually shift people through. Um, do dinner there. See how it goes. We'll sniff test. It's all about the chemistry. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, assume you're going to spend. What four or five hours? Four or five hours. Yeah, yeah. On a f- anywhere from sixteen to eighteen foot space, space together, and, and oftentimes under less than ideal conditions where it's hot, it's mm-hmm. sticky, it's you know, and you're trying to get bugs biting. Trick like of you fish said, Jameson. Like I want to catch a fish too, right. or or at least I want to see one put on the boat. Right. Sure. You know, because it. That's the other thing is. Without the guy on the back, you're not catching one either. Right. Um, and actually, that kind of leads me to my story of my first solo attempt down in the lagoon last week. But, uh, it takes so, practice, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's I, a dance. I, uh, yeah. I fish a lot well, solo. I did dancing in the water when I fell in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me... So, first time? <laughs> falling in, well, no, I've fallen off the platform a couple times. Right. But So when you fish your Mitzi solo, you fish from the platform? No, I was, I was from the, the bow, the casting Okay, platform. okay. So, so the Mitzi's V-bottom, so it's not the shallowest float. I mean, it, it floats as shallow as I would ever want it to in the lagoon. But when it was just me on the back, it's sitting, you know, a little ass-heavy. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, you know, and it was windy, so I switched to the front. Right. And I had the stripping bucket in front of me on the platform, and I'm trying to pull wind to my back. Slight angle, too, so as soon as I let go of the push-pull, it'd start, boat would start spinning. And, of course, the, the back end would start going towards the shoreline. So it wasn't the easiest. And um, I had already spooked a couple reds because by the time I'd see them, because there's a boat in between me and the fish, um, I'd try to put the push pole down, get the rod ready, and they're gone. Well, this one belly crawler coming down, it was a pretty good fish, too. I saw you know, about three or four inches of fish out of the water of his back. Right. And couldn't see his eyes. Oh. So he was a pretty, pretty good fish. And uh, he's coming down the bank, and he comes around this dead tree. And I'm, I've already got the push pole down. I've already got the rod in the hand. I've still got the shot. I'm like, All right, this is cool. Get the first one in front of him, and he kind of just swims by it. Well, you know, a little heartbreak there. Pick it up, put it in front of him, and he trucks it. But he doesn't. He doesn't stay glued. You know, I didn't. I, I don't think I trout set him. I don't know. I was. I, I haven't had my heart racing from a redfish in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that one got me going. And uh, so I was, you know, whatever. It's cool. I'm I'm happy I got that close to it. And uh, first thing I do is call my buddy Tyler. And uh, oh, this, so this is another part of the story that, you know, I'm I'm solo now because he just started an engineering job at Boston Whaler. So I, you know, I got a fish now by myself sometimes. But so anyway, I call him. He's on his way home. And actually, he had just stopped by uh, New Smyrna Outfitters where my other buddy Trent works. And so they're talking. They put me on speakerphone. And I'm telling him what's going on. And uh, I'm not used to pulling from the casting platform, which has rounded edges, and it's a little slippery. And uh, foot slips off the back, and uh, I got a bail. So While you're on the phone? While I'm on the phone, <laughs> I'm talking to him. So they hear, oh, shit, I'm going in, <laughs> and then splash. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I didn't fall. You know, I was able to step down. So they, first they hear the crash of me landing on the deck. And then going in the water, and I was just, you know, it was up to the knees. So it could have been way worse. Right. But uh, 
It happens, It's a good man. story to tell. Yeah, yeah, it happens the best. Yeah. That's great. Um, along the same lines with uh, the music, um, one of the most interesting things about the fly shop where we did the event is they actually have beer at the at the fly shop they have six taps and then a cooler with you know a bunch of bunch of beer and they're fairly fluid with what time they close according to how many folks are on who's there hanging out and who it is yeah um and and Shannon made the comment to the owner Jonathan. She was like, "Well, you just have to make sure that you have closing time queued up, so that when the when the time comes, you just like bring the lights up, play closing time, and be like, not this telling you got to go home, but you got to get the hell on up out of here." And uh, to hear that. In reference to closing a fly shop was just the funniest thing to me. Yeah, yeah, because it's not something you'd think would be a normal problem, right? Like on a nightly basis. Yeah. So. Well, and speaking of beer, I mean, I like to drink when I fish, oftentimes, and uh, sometimes cracking that first beer early in the morning. Usually you want to do it after a fish, but sometimes if you do it prior to a fish, it'll change your luck. Absolutely. Do you pour a little bit in for the fish? No, I haven't done that. I have a couple of friends that do that. You can give some to the fish gods. Pour one out for the homies? Yeah. Not the whole thing. Well. Yeah. Don't have to be that extra. generous. So what? what's your favorite skiff beer? Ooh. That is a tough one. It changes from time to time. Yeah. Depends on the time of year. Oh, I, I can see that. I can see that. Depends on the temperature outside. Depends on a number of factors. Uh, but I would say a go-to for me is something light, something easy drinking. Uh, <laughs> uh, High Life is always good. I'm a PBR guy. Uh, Miller Lite's always a good choice. Uh, I'm a Listen, I'm not a beer snob. I mean, I am, but I'm not. So right. If it's got beer in the name, I'll probably drink it. So. Right. You know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, PBR um, just because it's a cheap, consistent, you know, beer when I was drinking. And uh, probably prior to that, like the beer that all the guys that I spent my formative years um honing the fly fishing out here the beer that everybody drank was yingling and it was like always out of bottles and it was just like yingling 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 till the point where i was just like over yingling um and then kind of pbr but then there was uh at least one summer that it became my absolute favorite skiff beer just because it was like crisp and refreshing and it was that key billy yeah um fucking key lime beer yeah it was just fucking delicious yep. outstanding selection on a hot day um 
God, what are some of the, you know, a, a good Modelo. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't help but notice with Modelo, it's almost like it was born to be a skiff beer because oh, yeah. the, the shape of the bottle, it's hard to spill. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit it down on the deck. It might slide around a little bit, but it's not going to tip over. Little stubbies. Yeah. And I, I got to give credit to where it was due. I mean, it, Sweetwater's uh, guide beer. The guide beer was good. was a really good yeah. boat beer. Hard to track down now. Yeah, no, it's impossible. Hard. It's definitely hard okay. to find. Yeah, I don't think, they, yeah, I think they. I don't think they make it anymore. Okay, so I mean, but I liked it. Later in the day, if I'm having a couple, I'll get into the heavier stuff. Some IPAs uh-huh. depends. You know, if it's an all day affair, I'll have an all hands or two, or heck, I'll bring a, a bottle of liquor on the boat and you know make some cocktails. Right, it just it really depends. It has to be situational. Yeah, situational awareness is everything. Gotcha. Uh, ben, any notes? Anything? I fished with Mark. You did. The uh, and I'm really upset about it. Are you? I am. Um. So Mark called me up. He's like Friday. I think I just left your house. He's like, "What you doing tomorrow?" I was like, "I don't know. What you got?" Like, oh yeah, I remember you guys were going fishing that following day. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like fishing, of course. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so I told Daisy, like, your options are you can sleep in or you can come ride the third seat and just hang out. She said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go out on the boat. So we met Mark at his preferred ramp, took off pretty good ways, pulled into our first, first couple shorelines, there wasn't a lot going on. Um, and we slowly crept our way back to the ramp and hit motored in on one pocket because some people were on where we actually wanted to be so we had to move to like the backup plan and we saw like an orange life jacket in the trees and kept going hot spotter no I'm being very careful I thought people are fucking zooming shorelines now looking for orange fucking life jackets way to go they can look for orange life jackets <laughs> well if this story's going where i think it's going that orange life jacket's not there anymore correct so we're gonna start putting life jackets on shorelines now fished <laughs> fished our area started seeing fish and one of those days where everything's like hella spooky you lead a fish by 10 feet and they just swim past it do that like going around really struggled mark would not let me pull the boat i kept offering um because that was my first time fishing on his skiff with him and just really rode the struggle bus getting fish to eat and never made it happen and as we pulled back to (laughs) the shoreline um the turns out the orange life jacket was a channel marker Yes, Daddy. And it was like buried. You, you saw it up in the tree. It was under a tree. Under a tree. Um, like hit the wave. Tree fell over. Been there a pretty good while. Um, start breaking limbs. Climbed out of the boat. Broke limbs. Pulled it off. Got amped, and I, I offered it to Mark, but I think he saw the excitement on my face, <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, your boat, your trip." Your marker, he's like, no, 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 you keep it. So I didn't, 
give him a second chance to change his mind. <laughs> um, fished a little bit more. What marker number? 20. 20. So Jameson is making a very upset face at both Ben and I uh-huh. because Not about you. this time last year, I found a green 27. Nice. In the same way, just up in the broken off, up in the mangroves. Yeah. T- Tyler and I were pulling a flat, and there's just this green glow. It's, and, and it's just so cool, so exciting. What I would equate it to, to two things. The and Larry, you've got several, so mm-hmm. you're you're a better treasure hunter than we are. I've probably just probably spend more, time, more time on the water. Spend a little bit more time on the water, probably. So, growing up, were your grandparents or everything any of them into Hot Wheels cars? No. I remember my dad and my grandparents wow. going to Walmart. I remember when I was a kid, I was into Hot Wheels cars. I was Am I a grandparent now? No, I, the the reason I'm were, saying this, I'd... because I remember my dad and my grandparents going to Walmart to look for the Treasure Hunt series. Okay. And like I was not self-aware enough as a young child into Hot Wheels to think about Treasure Hunts. Where they would buy these cars for a dollar and they'd be able to sell them on eBay for forty because they only made so many of them. Um, and then it's like the less gay street cred version of the CCA Star Tournament, where you know, there's, <laughs> there's these tagged redfish going around and you can win a truck and a boat. Fuck off! But oh, you didn't enter. No, um, <laughs> don't be this guy. He caught one last year. But it's the like it's a fun thing because for about five years I've been like looking for one. Not like that's all I go do, but you're always like one day I'm, my my day is gonna come, and to like actually snag a channel mark or some cool like water artifact you know is gonna be in the areas you like to fish. It's pretty neat. So where is it gonna be displayed? Um, it's Front either and center. It's either going to be in. There's a 10 by 20 shed on the property we bought, and it's either going to be in that shed because that's like my gear room, my tying room, or it's going to be in the outdoor kitchen. Mm. Um, probably that. Where did you put yours? Currently, it is in the pole barn behind the boat. Okay. So, you know, because the boat's at my parents' house. That's where I live. Um, in the near future, when I'm out of there. I'm, I'm taking that with me. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So I was afraid to to put it up somewhere. Right. And the fact that it, my dad, because my dad likes that thing too. Right. So. So the reason that I was upset with Ben, and I I wasn't really upset with you. You Will. had some choice words when I sent you the video back when when I found mine. Yeah, I was probably just a little. I jealous. think you even offered to buy it from me. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but the reason that I was upset with Ben predominantly in this instance is. Mark and I had made a plan after the last show to fish together, mm. and he had texted me before that Friday when he mm-hmm. texted you, and I was not able to go due to previous uh, commitment commitments. Yeah, and uh, and so to to wake up and you know go through my day on Saturday and then see that you found that it was just like oh, <laughs> that was mine. Mm, that should have been yeah, but um, I will gladly let you sign it when you come over. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I will sign it. Sign it for you. But, but no, I'm happy for you. I mean, I think it's really cool to be able to have something that you legitimately found and, and 
for us, it's like trading cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're hard to come by, and it's only found by time on the water. Yeah. So, without stealing them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's other things out there. Like there's other little Easter egg type the, type things. My dad's got find. a like an oyster lease that. So if you look in the cabinet behind on the top shelf, go ahead and open that up. That bottle. Mm-hmm. That was found in the lagoon, and you can tell by the color of it and like everything. Yeah. That was actually found. Between the beach and the lagoon, like on the backside of the dunes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how old it is, but it's it's not a contemporary bottle mm-hmm. by no, any stretch by of the any imagination. Means. Back when every bottle had a different shape. Yeah. And that was one of those where um, just by happenstance, I was uh, in some Tupperware and needed to stretch my legs and got out and like just standing in the marsh and i happened to look over and i was like what the fuck is that and i waddled over there no no message in the bottle um it was like packed full of dirt and uh you know then there's other areas where you know i've found the uh shell casings from where they used to do the strafing of the target over there on the beach and and whatnot there's there's a lot of cool things that you can find out there uh vertebrae there of uh bovine bovine um so yeah i I definitely identify and and get down with the whole you know treasure hunts while you're out there there's definitely a a cool vibe to it i've got Two green markers and one red marker, I as well as uh, two manatee zone signs. Mm-hmm. I had my all from you know markers that have been broken off and washed up and mm-hmm. abandoned. I had my shot at a marker. It was after a hurricane. It was busted on the pole, uh-huh. and it was just laying in the water. It would have taken some effort to get it off of the post that it was still on. Uh huh. But. That was my chance, and I never did it because I was always scared of repercussions or whatever because it was, you know, right there on the river, right by the boat ramp. So I never messed with it. But uh, to this day, I always kick myself for not going and trying. So, yeah. We'll find one. Uh, you know, I boat's think, almost done. You'll be out there a bunch. I think that the, you know, laws of salvage on the sea. Um, if a marker gets broken off or, a ch- you know, even the, the pole and the, the, the channel marker sign is still affixed to it and it's flo- and it's no longer marking a channel mm-hmm. and you find it, it's Fair recoverable, game. you know, you if could, you, you could if, also uh, argue that you should get you, it out of there. Yeah. Cause it's know? a hazard to navigation right. potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one that I got literally, I don't know whether it rotted off or it got hit by, you know, something and broken off. It was up against the shoreline under some mangroves um, at a particular cut that goes into the backwaters. And it had no less than like four, like huge, like bolts through mm-hmm. to get it off the telephone pole, you know, and I just so happened to have a pair of channel locks and a 
large um, adjustable wrench, and I hopped in the water and unbolted that motherfucker, and away it went with me. Because, I mean, otherwise it was going to sit there and just get bent to shit right. and, you know, right. rot away or whatever. What uh, Was yours wooden? Yeah. You, and yours were metal? No, oh, I've got three of the wooden channel markers. Okay. Um, okay. Two greens and, yeah. and a red. And then I've got two metal um, manatee. Okay. And, and then, like, that sign that's covered in stickers, that was from our boat ramp here. Uh, it's one of the manatee information right. signs. And when Matthew came through, we had been putting stickers on it at our boat ramp forever. And it got blown away during Matthew. And probably for a month, it was just gone. And coming back in from fishing one day and just looking, you know, doo -doo -doo, it was like, what is that square thing on the bottom? Hopped out, there it was. Mm. So it came back to the house. I wonder what the equivalent would be for, you know, trout guys and, and uh, drift boats, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I know the trout guys, especially in the Appalachian, is the you know, delayed harvest or what are the other, some of the other. Uh, oh, like the different signs and signs, stuff? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and do they, I mean, like most of the channel markers that I've seen, it's like either after a big storm mm -hmm. and, you yeah. know, it, it's getting Beat buffeted up. by the wind. And, you know, usually it's got a large bolt that's going through it and through the pole that it's mounted to. And they usually have maybe a, a large washer mm -hmm. and when you find them you can see where it's just you know wallered wallered through right. and fallen off you know and i'm sure the hardware because it's stainless hardware is probably still on that pole and then at least one of the ones that i got was i had unbolted it. somebody had like in a you know i don't know like a barge hit the fucking channel marker because i mean there's plenty of times you'll go down through here and like channel marker whatever is missing. Mm -hmm. Then like a week later, there's a temporary buoy there mm -hmm. until the buoy, you know, the Coast Guard tender that that does the channel marker maintenance will come in, sink a new pole, put a new marker up, or whatever. And uh, you just got to be lucky and be on the correct shoreline for whatever when it mm -hmm. breaks off or gets torn off or knocked off, it floats to one side or the other. And either you're the guy that finds it or you're I was not. I was pretty confused with mine because I looked on maps later and there was no green 27 nearby. Right. And um, it was also in the back of some pretty sheltered areas. Right. Like the wind had to have gone north, south, west, east, south, north. Like to get this to where it was, mm -hmm. right? Especially without the lagoon being tidal, so but, you know, on a normal tide, micro tidal, micro tidal, yeah. yeah. So it still don't know how it got there. I don't know if someone tried to stash it. I mean, it didn't look. It looked pretty weathered. It looked like it fell off normally, but right. I don't know. I got lucky. Yeah. Hmm. We one of the one that we have that's in the house in New Smyrna, literally was the first one I ever found 
and it was in pretty damn good shape. Um, you know, you could see where the holes had wallered out. That's how it got loose. But otherwise, really good shape. And uh, we originally hung it on the wall in Wyatt's room when he was a baby. It was part of the decor. It, it was the channel marker and then some Von Cochran artwork. That was his nursery. And then when we moved here, we actually had it over the mantle um, on the fireplace. And then it got booted for a, a Borski that we got framed. So it's actually sitting in, uh, sitting. I think it's in the garage it's right the now. Garage. Yeah, it's in the garage. I haven't decided where I'm going to put it yet. But uh, yeah, it's one of those treasures that you just hang on to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like they don't come very often. Mm-hmm. So. Right. I have some forestry signs and other signs to, to make up for it, but yeah, that's on the list. Well, speaking of channel markers, if you happen to look down the the lagoon. Past mm-hmm. channel marker seven. Past channel marker seven. See a little bit of smoke on the horizon. <coughs> Holy shit, it's the fucking mail barge. <coughs> Hopefully it doesn't hit any of those channel markers. Unless it means Jameson gets one. So um, we have a standard office size envelope. I like it. Official. From the Old City Fly Shop in St. Augustine, Florida. Addressed to the Taylor Trash Crew. And there is no letter in here. Sad. Sad, sad, sad. I mean, you would think that in the absence of a letter, we could have at least had like some kind of little like, almost like a petroglyph or, you know, something like that. Like you had a crayon that Travis could have done that would have explained something. But uh, having known that he just got back from a trip to North Carolina doing a little trout fishing, it appears that while he was on his merry way... In his travels, he picked up uh, some stickers and decided to share stickers with uh, everybody here around the table. So uh, I'm just going to pass the whole envelope around. If you see something you like, take it. If it makes it all the way around, that'll be great. If it doesn't, so be it. Thank you, Travis. Mm -hmm. And the other folks at Old City. Yeah. You know, we... We appreciate the stickers. We appreciate the support. So, you know how much of sticker heads we are. Ooh. North Carolina Speckdale. Old North Trout. Carolina Speckdale. Speck Daddy is what we like to call them. <laughs> we have a box. Oh, snap. That uh, this has been around for a, a little bit. Um,. We, I think we were remiss oh, and did not do the mail barge last episode, but that was the four-plus-hour episode, so I think we just kind of omitted it based on time. Oh, my God. I see the back end of that sticker sticking out of there. Oh, yes. Hold on. I don't want you to... I don't want you to... You better flip I want you to be over. paying my attention here. bulged. So, um, this is from... Jake Oliver and uh, Jake Oliver 
has a new little endeavor called Fish and Grits. Uh, if you're not following him on Instagram, you should. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, he included a handwritten note to the Taylor Trash crew. Keep up the good work with the podcast and everything you are doing with MDC. I've been listening since the After Dark days. I hope to enjoy. I hope you enjoy the beers from my neck of the woods, not IPAs. Hope you like the shirts and stickers I've been designing as well. If you follow at fish dot and dot grits on Instagram, I should have some new stuff coming soon. I'm just a little fella trying to make some extra money for beer and two-stroke oil. Cheers. P.S. Please tell Carl this note was handwritten. Well, if Carl happens to be listening, he'll know. Um, For those of you that don't know, Carl is uh, back down to the minors. Um, Not saying he won't be back at the table, but he made a move down South Florida, so it's a little tough for him to warm up the old oak chair at the table but uh, we will certainly pass the word if we see him because we know that Carl is an aficionado of the handwritten note so first and foremost big fat bundle of stickers oh Oh, baby and speaking of signs and being the one that's privileged enough to open the package, mm-hmm. there are four here. Okay. Oh, Tonight was God. one of those days. Oh, Tonight was one of those days where it paid to be. Jab, you know, not being cheap. <laughs> check this manatee zone sign out. Yes, sir. Awesome. Save the grass. Don't. Eat a manatee. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Open so, that season, baby. Go ahead and pass those around. We've got this oval fish and grits, a uh, little tiller action. Nice. Like that. Love me a good tiller. Oh, it's a Sam Squint, Ricky. Oh, nice. It looks like a, but the eyes, it looks like a jowl. Oh, it sure does, but I think I it's a Yeti. Giant. It is. Nice. <laughs> um, and then we've got just a complete selection of fish and grits. Team No Sleep. Uh, which is a skiffy-looking thing. We've got, this is pretty cool, Mm -hmm. the Osprey (laughs) swooping in (laughs) on the jet skier. Nice. Yeah, that's that's pretty rad. Um, This guy gets it. Squeezing lemons. uh, Very overlooked yet awesome sport fish. The Jack Jack Crevel. baby. Um, and then, oh wow, fish and grits, very a la the Sims trout, um, with the cowboy on the back. I like it. It's a manatee with the angler on its back with the cowboy. Pretty cool. So I'll pass these around. You guys help yourselves. Thank you, thank you. Very much so. Jake, thanks again. Um, I'm going to continue digging in the box here. It only gets better, fellas. Oh, boy. Because there's T-shirts. hey All right, so 
When I gave him sizes, it was for Mark and Ben and myself and Jameson. Jameson is an XL. Last time I checked. So there you go, sir. Oh, heck yeah. Ben, an XL. Thank you, sir. A 2XL for myself. <laughs> Dope. And for Mark, we'll obviously put it back for him. He missed out on stickers tonight. <laughs> A 2XL. Wow. <laughs> Pretty Pretty sick. Pretty epic. Jamie will get a picture of this for the for the gram. Ben's drunk. <laughs> yeah, on my one beer and He's a cup of coffee with pulp. It, it, the coffee did have pulp. Thank you, <laughs> Will. We have uh, some pretty old school. Oh, those are the good koozies. Foamies, baby. Foamy. And not like yuppie nice. foamies. And it's it says bottoms up. Because it's upside down. I dig. Oh, the guys that use these for the uh, the casting platform? Yeah. For the turnbuckle? Oh, there you go. There you go. You. Maybe that's what the reference is. Ben, here you go. Thank you, sir. And what would a koozie be without some beer? Awesome. He's from down um, Fort Pierce Way. So what do we have here from Sailfish Brewing? Tag and release Amber Ale. Yes. He's heard the earlier episodes. He knew that we didn't want any more IPAs. Yeah, like absolutely. That. He's been listening since way old school. I cannot wait to put this in the fridge and try one of these. Yeah, great, great uh, mail barge package, man. For well sure. done. Very well done. So. All right. Well, uh. I guess the only other thing we have to talk about, and uh, it's coming up faster than uh, any of us really realize, is uh, if you've been watching, uh, we've been having some guest appearances on our Instagram uh, from different folks at Marine Discovery Center that are going to be directly impacted Mm -hmm. uh, by the fundraising that we've been doing over the last few years. This will be the fourth annual dinghy derby september 30th will be the thingy before the dinghy um we still have not made entry available yet through the website but we will be very very shortly we're kind of going over the last few details there's going to be some minor changes uh to the whole program um One of the biggest things is the route for the Derby um, from year one to year three, because if you remember, year two was kind of blown out. We didn't get to do the water portion. Um, Years one and three were pretty similar uh, in the the route that we took. Um, This year is going to be more of a northern route, and... All of the stops that I've picked have very friendly bottom for 
being able to get out and hang out kind of sandbar style at every stop with the only stop that remains the same is the fifth stop, which is there by JB's. And that's just because if you're going to have a sandbar party, you might as well do it right mm-hmm. there. Right. Right. So, um, we are working diligently to bring you guys the very best raffle prizes, uh, with the hopes that you'll separate yourself from your wallet on behalf of MDC in hopes of winning some cool stuff. And, uh, also we're looking to get more vendors at the thingy before the dinghy last year was a lot of fun. Uh, pretty cool to have some, uh, local artisans and, uh, folks that were set up there so if you happen to know anybody any artist any craftsperson you know any type of maker that you think would be a good fit please send them our way um other than that circle september 30th and october 1st on your calendar be ready to come out have a great time raise money for marine discovery center so we can continue helping the lagoon Mm -hmm. and uh that's the PSA I have for that. Anybody else have anything that we need to cover, talk about before we wrap it up and uh, put a bow on 82? I think we're good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. It's been an awesome time. Will. the fill-in. Really appreciate it. We thought we were going to have like a five-person table, and it just so happens that Mark had uh, to – take the night off um mark should be back and have some good stories because he's headed up to wisconsin really early tomorrow morning and uh he'll come back with tales of smallmouth glory and we're gonna keep trying to keep these things rolling about every two weeks um so with that being said we hope that uh you enjoyed it if you did do us a solid Wherever you listen to the podcast, give us a rating and a review. If you really, really liked it, go to our website and buy some merch. Helps us keep the lights on, the podcast hosted, and the beer cold. That's it for episode 82. We'll catch you on the next one. Get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. And to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind And I'm counting on you To carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll
thanks for the joy that you've given me I want you to know I believe in your song Rhythm and rhyme and harmony You've helped me along Making me strong Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away 